Yes, hallelujah to our King. Lord, we're just grateful for your presence that's been here this entire morning, Lord God. And Lord, I thank you that your presence has purpose. It's to touch us, it's to assure us, it's, it's to encourage us. But Lord, it also changes us. In your presence, we cannot remain the same. That's just what you do. We're changed in your presence. So I pray, Lord, as we look to your holy scriptures, as we seek to understand you just a little bit more, that we would be encouraged in your presence and we would leave different than the way we came. Just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. You know, just like I said at the first service, I feel like we had church already. Amen? But uh, I believe the Lord's given me a word to share with you. Uh, last week, we began a, a new series called Fear Factor. And it was, you know, kind of a spin-off of an old uh, series of, of, uh, that was on regular television back in the 2000s called Fear Factor. Anybody remember that show? Uh, you know, you watched it if you wanted to be kind of freaked out, right? I only watched little bits of it, and they would do all kinds of horrible things, right? In fact, they would find out what the people were afraid of, and they would actually kind of double down and do the worst possible things. You know, I remember this one guy was afraid of worms, you know, just earthworms. You know, just, and so what they did, they put his head in a box and they dropped earthworms on his head, you know, and he had to endure this thing, right? And, and all you could hear on the microphone, he says, I'm doing this for $50,000. I'm doing this for $50,000. So what he was doing was kind of uh, letting that fear, you know, be there, but he's thinking in his head, I'll endure it so I can get this over here. And that is not God's best for you. I want to tell you this right now, that the phobias that we all deal with at different times in our lives that maybe were caused by events that happened in our childhood or whatever, listen to me, it's not God's best for you just to endure it and kind of get through life, but it's still there lurking in the background. That's not God's best for you. God's best is, and if this is all you get out of this morning from me, is this, God's best is for you to see fear defeated in the name of Jesus. That it's just a memory. It's not something that plagues you anymore. Not something that holds you hostage any longer in your walk with the Lord. That's God's best for you. But it may start by just saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, and that fear's still there. But you walk it out, just as Pastor D was talking about healing. Can I tell you something? That dealing with phobias in your life, there's a walk of healing to come out of it. Can God instantly deliver you? Yes, He can, just like He can heal you of other things. But sometimes you've got to walk through it and come out the other side. That's God's best. I'm reminded of the Scripture. It says, no temptation has seized you except for that which is common to man. And that, that temptation, that, that could be fear, right? That could be whatever is going on in your life. But God will provide a way of escape that you can stand up underneath it. Now, the minute we hear the word escape, that means, oh, I can get out of this. That's not what that word escape means because the very next line it says, so you can go through it and come out the other side. And so many times we as believers are praying prayers like this. Lord, just take this away from me. I've known the Lord now the better part of 40 years and I have yet to see God answer that kind of prayer in my life. He never does. You know why? It's not praying the word. See, you got to pray the word if you want an answer from the word. Amen? Because God watches over his word to see that it performs that which was sent out to do. doesn't watch over our personalities and how we feel about different things. No, he watches over his word. So when we speak his word, God has to honor his word. That's why we're all even in Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? 
There's no superstars. There's no low lives. Everyone is the same, and we're high in the Lord. In fact, the Word says we're all called to be seated in the heavenly realms. Amen? That's, that's what God's called us to do. So fear is no longer to hold us back in our walk with the Lord. Amen? But it's a process. You know, again, do I wish, I, you know, does everybody come up dealing with fear and we could wave a magic wand over your head, you know, and poof, it's just gone. It doesn't work that way always. But let me tell you something. When God gets a hold of you, or better still, you get hold of God, that fear can just dissolve in the name and the authority of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. So last week, though, we talked about fear of failure, how that can hold us back, right? And I made the point, this was the takeaway, that if fear is in front of you, it's holding you back. But if you let fear get behind you, it sometimes can push you forward. The point being that fear can, instead of being an obstacle, can become a stepping stone in your life. In other words, when it's behind you, you can say, I'm not going to let that be a problem anymore and let it push you forward in a sense. But when it's in front of you, what does it do? It holds you back. But before I talk about the bad kind of fear, can I talk about a good kind of fear? Because God only gives good kind of fear, doesn't he? And what's the difference? If you're here last week, we touched on it. I just want to give you a scripture again before we move forward. In Psalms 25, verse 14, it says, The Lord confides in those who fear him, he makes his covenant known to them. I want you to see this. There's a couple of really cool truths here. First of all, the Lord confides in those who fear him. So what does that word confide mean? It means he whispers into your ear, that he speaks truth. He speaks revelation to you. How does he do that? Because if you're a believer in Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit living in your heart. And so he can speak to you on a regular basis. The question we have to ask ourselves, are we listening? That's really the question, right? I believe he's always speaking, but are we tuned in and focused on what he's saying? But there is some uh, things that could hold us back. For example, it says the Lord confides in only those who fear him. Well, does that mean we're terrified of him? No, this is the good kind of fear. This is the reverential fear. This is the kind of fear that says, God, you're God, and I honor you for who you are. You're the creator of everything we can see and everything we can't see. You're the one that knows my future and my past and my present. You know everything, and it's putting God in his rightful place. Those are the people God confides in. So if you're still trying to run your life on your own, you're probably not going to hear from Jesus really clearly. Because you've got to put him in his rightful place in your life. And that's over top of your life. And then here's what he does. He makes his covenant known to them. So that's really how it, what he's confiding in you. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. God whispers his truths to you. And where are his truths found? In the word of God. This is, in fact, if you have an Old Testament and New Testament Bible, you could actually say the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. Or the Old Contract, the new contract. And so what we have contained here are God's promises to us. Now, the greatest one of all is what? The salvation promise. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why we have a cross stuck right here in the middle of the church to remind us of that one truth that's above all other truths, right? The salvation testimony of Jesus going to the cross. But even that's conditional, right? Because if it wasn't, every person on the earth would be saved. And is that true? It's not true, is it? So then that means that, that part of a covenant, part of an agreement or a contract, there's two sides to it, right? It could be an agreement between two people or, or two groups of people. And in the case of God's covenant, it's with him 
and with his son Jesus, and we get to be benefactors. It's actually pretty cool. Whole teaching in that, we could get into that, but we're not going to. But the bottom line is, if you've made that agreement with him, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you get the rest of the contract. So the question is, do you know what the contract says? There's promises. I've been told that there's, I haven't counted them all, but I'm told there's over 6,000 covenant promises in here. And it wouldn't surprise me, there might even be more. And the point is, we should know what the agreement is. You know, think about when you buy a house or you buy a car, you know, all that fine print at the bottom of the page? You should read that. You know what I mean? It could be good or bad. And if the world is giving it to you, it's probably not all good. But let me tell you something. When God gives you his contract, when he presents his covenant to you, the print in here is all for your benefit. Can you say amen to that? And so that's the good kind of fear, but it's only beneficial to you when you make God God in your life. Amen? If you're just doing your own thing, you're not going to be a benefactor of his promises. So if God is a good God, does everyone agree on that? That God's a good God? All right, then how on earth did these phobias, did these unhealthy fears ever become part of the human experience? If God didn't introduce it, then who did? Well, in the Bible, there's, there's a principle called the principle of first mention. You've maybe heard me mention this a few times. The idea is that when you hear of a specific truth or a specific word that's mentioned for the first time in the Bible, that it sets the precedent. It's kind of like a, it, it's a, it's a set point where all of a sudden now it helps you understand every other time that word is mentioned. So it's really, really important. So does anyone know where the first time the word fear shows up in the Bible? If you were here at the first service, Karen whispered it because she was here because she was doing worship, but it's actually in the book of Genesis. So I want to read one verse to you, and then we're going to kind of build on a little bit so you can see the significance of this, all right? So in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, so he, and I just put in brackets, Adam, said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So this is the first time where he says, I was afraid. That actually in the original you know, Hebrew is the word fear. It's the first time. And it's not the reverential kind of fear. It, it was He was terrified, scared. Talk about phobia. Yeah, he was not in a good place at this point. And why is this? Well, when we read in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see the creation story, right? God makes everything. He says it's good, makes Adam and Eve. You know, they, they has all the animals there. They name the animals. Every, everything's going great, right? And then we turn to chapter 3. And what happens? There's an introduction of a new character in the garden by the name of the serpent, right? And we know him as Satan. We're, it's clarified in the New Testament. And by the way, if there's anybody here that thinks that uh, the creation story in Genesis 1 to 3 is just mythological. Let me have a chat with you after. It is as it says. It took seven days for creation to happen. It took seven days. Seven days, sun going up, sun going down. That is what it says in the original language. Not thousands and millions of years, all right? Not, not trying to put fake science in and, and try to make it all work, okay? Listen, what it says is what it says. And the Bible says a serpent shows up, and it was Satan in, you know, in the form of a serpent, and begins to have a conversation with Adam and Eve. Now, the first question I've got is, she didn't think that was unusual. Interesting, right? But that's another story that we could talk about. See, so, so there she is, you know, and, and so Satan, the serpent, says to her, says, you know, did God say you can't eat from this tree? You know, the 
tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And she said, no, no, we can't eat from it. And, and basically, Satan sells her a lie. And basically says, well, look at you know, if, if you eat of it, you know, your eyes will be open, you know, you'll be like God. And the Bible says, as she looked at it, she saw it looked good, uh, it was good for food, and it would make her wise. The Bible says she took and ate of it. And her husband, and it said in the original language, here's what it says, who was standing there with her, even though she had the conversation with the serpent, he was aware of the conversation, and he still ate. He's more guilty than she was. She was deceived, but he openly rebelled against the word of the Lord, and he ate. They realized, oh my gosh, we're naked, and they tried to sow fig leaves upon themselves, you know, and hid. And God comes in the cool of the day, as he'd done for, I don't know, maybe years for all we know, and, and he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? And Adam comes out with a line that I was hiding because I was afraid. So what's this mean for you and I today? Why is the significance of this word showing up for the first time in Genesis so important to you and I today? Well, we know that before Satan shows up on the scene, the word wasn't even in the Bible. So as a result of Satan's influence, we have the word fear. There's a connection, isn't there? So I want to tell you something. I believe that fear in its purest form, an unhealthy fear in its purest form is a person. And his name is Satan. That that is where fear comes from. doesn't come from God, we know that. It comes from Satan. Why? Because he introduced this all right here. So how, how is this connected? Why is it that Adam was afraid all of a sudden? And before, just literally before the bite in the apple, he wasn't. Well, an event happened here that I believe still happens to you and I today. You know, we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and I pray every person here knows Jesus as your Savior. If you don't, can I tell you, it's as simple as just asking him into your heart. Say, Jesus, I just need you. And the Bible promises he'll come in and change you. But why is fear an issue still? Well, we have to go back to this, this event that happens. So what did Eve do by eating that fruit? What did Adam do by eating it? Who were they listening to? They were listening to Satan, weren't they? So what happened? Before that, they listened to God only. And everything went well, right? No fear, no intrepidation, no anxiety, none of those things. But then Satan comes along and says, hey, you can be like God. Now, in a sense, that was partly true, wasn't it? Because basically he says, now you'll be able to know the difference. You'll be able to know the difference between good and evil. So what was Satan saying? Saying, you can decide what you want to do in your life. And they did it went against God, became afraid. So, how does this work today? So here's you and I, living life, right? As a believer, and we're still dealing with phobias. We're still dealing with fears in our lives. Why? It's because I believe that we have not made Jesus head over our lives. See, when we invite Jesus in your heart, there's two parts to it. As our Savior, because He saves us. And what's the other part? Lord. And what does that mean? It means master, head, leader. 
And so when Satan came along, he said, look it, you can control your own life. You don't need God to tell you what's right and wrong. You don't need God to tell you what you can do or can't do. You can decide for yourself. Now we know that that's a part lie because why? Because now Satan is behind the scenes manipulating those people who think that they can do their own decisions. And just look at the world today. How's that working out for them? Everybody that's thinking that they can do their own thing, how's that working out for them? We've got wars going on, rumors of wars. Why? Because some people think, oh, we should do this, and other people are thinking this. And, and so what's happening? All kinds of fears and phobias are happening in the world because people think they can do their own thing. But as believers, that's not the way it ought to be. So think about this. Rather than you running your own life, you get to give your life to Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It means that you shouldn't have to worry about anything. If God is the owner of everything. Do you acknowledge that? Do you believe that God owns everything? The Bible says that silver and gold is his, the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything seen and unseen belongs to him. And if that's true, then the Bible also says that you and I are tenants in God's vineyard. In other words, we're caretakers of what he has provided for us. So if that be true, for example, when I lived on a, on a farm and my father was the owner of the farm, if something went wrong... I didn't worry much about it. You know what I did? I said, hey, Dad, <laughs> you got a problem. You know, we got to fix this. We got to do this. He said, well, okay, and provide the money, do whatever. And, and I didn't worry about it. It's not my problem. I'm just there to help him. And so for me, I get this, but not everyone's had that experience in life. That's literally how our Christian walk should be. That's why none of us should be worried about things and suffering from anxiety. It's not your problem. In other words, you got something going on? I understand. Go to your dad. Go to the room, just like we were singing about that song, and have a chat with him about it. Say, Lord, Dad. In fact, the Bible says call him Abba, Abba Daddy. Dad. I feel this. I, I, I got anxiety about this, this, and this. And you know what he'll say? Let me help you with that. It's not your problem. It's mine. That's literally how we're supposed to live life. And so if anxiety is gripping you, if you're being held back by fears in your life, it's time to surrender to Jesus at another level. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that. Because it's two different things to make him your Savior and your Lord. In other words... Just like Adam and Eve gave the headship to Satan, we now are to give the headship back to God. That's what you and I need to do. All right, so you might say, okay, I sort of get this. Help me understand it in the New Testament. Can I do that for you? Because any truth that applies to us today is in the New Testament as well. It transfers from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. All right, so we're going to look at uh, just a uh, little bit of thing here in, uh, in Matthew, let me just talk about this for a little bit. In Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, does anyone know what that's called? That little group of scriptures. Yeah, Beatitudes, it starts with the Beatitudes. It's a Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing is. But you're right, starts with the Beatitudes. And the way to remember it, there's eight truths that are there. Eight, and, and the thing is, it's the Beatitudes. It's the right attitude to have. It's actually, that's how I remember it, right? So he's got these eight things that he talks about, you know, blessed of the pure heart, you know, all these different things he says. But then he goes on for, for just a couple of chapters, and he actually talks about how to live life, 
how to worship God, how to put him in his right place, how to deal with people around you, not judging them, you know, doing all these different things. And then at the end, he summarizes everything at the end of Matthew 7, right around 24, 25, 26 in there. And he says, look it, if you listen to what I've just told you, then you'll be like a person who built their house upon a rock. The storms come, the rain comes, the wind comes, and your house, your life will stand solid. But if you listen and don't do what I say, it's like a house being built on the sand. The storms will come, rains and wind, and your house will collapse, and great will be its calamity. That's, that's what it says. Now, the thing is, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you go back to the end of Matthew chapter 4 into 5, it says this, that Jesus climbed up a mountain, and his disciples followed him, and then he began to speak to them. That Sermon on the Mount wasn't just for regular people. It was people who were pursuing God, his disciples, the one, ones that were willing to pursue him and go, go beyond just the normal of other people. And then God, through G, you know, Jesus, began to speak to them. Now, that's not really what I want to talk about today. Uh, I did write a book. If you're interested, free. They'll put the thing up here. If you are interested in reading the Sermon on the Mount and digging into it deeper, uh, it's available as an ebook. There, gonna, there it is. Uh, or we'll give you a hard copy. Just ask for it. Give it to you for free, all right? And uh, be encouraged with that. Whether you've been here 10 years but just missed out on the week that we gave the book away, happy to give it to you, all right? But I'm not here to talk about that per se. So Jesus does all that. He tells us how we should live, how we should treat others. And then in Matthew 8 and 9, he goes and does it. He demonstrates how we're to treat others. So let's look at this chart. I want you to see this. We're not going to look up the scriptures or anything. And again, if you've got your phones, you want to take a picture of it. Or better still, if you're on our email list, this will come out on Tuesday. So you can actually get it. You can print it out if you'd like. I want you to look at the list on the left. Terminal illness, death of a loved one physical sickness, spiritual oppression, financial security, physical safety, spiritual warfare, loss of reputation, suffering as a child. You see all of those things. And here's the deal. Each one of those events, Jesus became a part of and brought healing to every circumstance. Now, you just think about this for a minute. What fears do you have? Just think about it. I will tell you right now that any fear you have, you can fit into one of those categories on the left. And Jesus addressed each one of them. The minute Jesus inserted himself into those circumstances, he brought healing and restoration every single time. You know, I've heard it said that when, uh, I saw this a couple weeks ago, that when uh, fear comes, and, comes knocking, let faith answer the door. And, and I love that, right? When, when fear comes knocking on your life, then let faith, your trust in Jesus, answer the door. You want to put that back up again? Just, just want to look at this. Now, just have a look at these things. Which one applies to you? Then what you need to do is read the scriptures and see how Jesus interacted in that circumstance and brought overcoming faith to deal with the fear that was in that circumstance. This is for you. There's no one here. There, there's no exclusions. Whatever fear, you, whatever fear you've got fits in here somewhere. Now, this isn't even the good part. So here we have Jesus doing this. And then at the start of Matthew 10, you know what he says to his disciples? Okay, you go now and do the same thing you saw me do. Now, can you imagine the fear that came upon some of those guys? Freaked them right out. They're like, uh, uh, I'm still dealing with my own phobias. Uh, I, I know that a bunch of them said that. And he said, look, you go in my authority. You go and you use my name 
and you go do this. And they did. And you can read about it, and it's awesome. They come back rejoicing. You know, they saw signs and wonders and healings because what did they do? They brought Jesus into the circumstances of fear-filled lives, and they were touched. Now, here's what I love. In Luke 10, verse 18, which is a, a parallel scripture to when they return, all right? Jesus thanks God for all the miracles and signs that his disciples did. And then he says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning. What, what, what's that all about? You know, it's like just, just kind of like blah, you know, and there it is. Well, it's connected back to the garden, folks. When fear was introduced by Satan, and here we are dealing with all these circumstances, all the phobias you and I are dealing with, that when we invoke the name of Jesus and speak God's word over whatever's going on in our lives, Satan's authority falls in our lives. See, the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And so when Jesus said he fell, it means he lost his authority in whatever that circumstance was that those disciples spoke into. So where Satan belonged? Under your feet, Scripture says. But the thing is, as long as you allow fear to control and manipulate your life, then he still is heading your life. You're still giving authority to him. You, you have the right and the ability in the name of Jesus to speak to that fear, and it has to go in the name of Jesus. Fall like lightning. Can I tell you, that's quick. You ever saw a lightning bolt hit the ground? You know, up, up in Canada, we lived up uh, between Lake Erie and Lake Ontario on this giant sandbar. It's like literally, so it's like close to heaven. We would see storms, literally storms come across because it was really flat there. And I'd see lightning bolts come and hit the ground. And then another couple hundred yards, the same thing. And to watch that power happen, I get it. When Jesus says this, I get it. I have that image in my head of Satan just crashing down, just like that. And the thing is, you don't want fear to control. How many people want fear to still control them? Just put your hand up. All right, just for the camera's sake, no one's hand is up here, all right? We don't, but how many people want to be able to use the name of Jesus and overcome fear in their lives? Put your hand up. Well, it begins with a confession, right? It begins with believing that it's possible. And we, I just gave you the examples. Start, just read Matthew. Start, start, start at chapter 5. Read through the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount and then read the miracles, all that he does, and then read how he sent out his disciples. Now, the cool part about it, is anybody here a disciple of Jesus? Well, Jesus, at the end of all the Gospels, said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know the same stuff you saw me do? I want you to go and do the same thing. And that's what God has called you to do. You may still be dealing with a few fears in your life, whatever, but the thing is, like Pastor D said earlier, sometimes you just got to walk it out. But one of the greatest ways to be delivered of your own fear is to speak into other people's lives to help them. Let me tell you something. Those disciples were not perfect people. They weren't fearless. They were scared to death, some of them, of different things. But they went out and they spoke in the authority of the name of Jesus. So I encourage you to do the same thing. Let's stand together. So just with every head bowed, Lord, you saw those hands raised everywhere. And Lord, even after 40 years of walking with you at times, there's still different things that try to rise up in my life. So Lord, I'm, I'm with each person here as well. And Lord, I know that it begins that when we see it, we need to acknowledge it. Not to put any more into it, but rather just say, hey, I got this. But Lord, I got you too. <laughs> And that, Lord, as we turn to you as the head 
over our lives, as we submit to you in the covenant, your words of life, the Lord God, that we would experience true deliverance, not just a smushing it down or, or just kind of coping with it, but a deliverance that it will no longer impact us in a negative way, that it will be behind us and it will just become a part of our testimony of us overcoming that fear in our lives. And it brings honor and glory to you as a defeated foe. So, Father, right now, I speak life into every person here. In the name of Jesus, any phobias or fears that are represented here, that right now, in the name of Jesus, that this is the beginning of the end of them. I thank you, Lord, for the victory you purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. And we choose to walk in that in the name of Jesus. So right now, we thank you that today is a new day for each person here. We give all honor, all glory to you. Lord, let us move forward in you, knowing that you have good things for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you this morning.